Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Space for Magic podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about how to make space for magic with nature. Now, if you've been with me for a while, and I'm your host, Patty Lennon, you know that as much as I a huge fan of nature, and as much as I try and be in nature and respect nature... I definitely look to others as my nature experts. And so one of my favorite nature experts is here today as my guest, Lynn Trotta. Welcome, Lynn. Hi, thank you. So I'm going to, rather than read a formal bio, I'm just going to tell you how Lynn and I came to know each other and how we've grown to be friends and what I know of her work that I think is probably the most incredible part of her work. But Lynn, I'll turn it over to you then. You can give more formal, <laughs> more formal <laughs> stuffs. Okay. So Lynn and I have been friends for Evs. And I met her through when I was going through coaching training, her husband was one of my coaching buddies, meaning we were partnered and did a lot of the exercises together. And when I um, ventured out on my own and was looking for my first clients, Lynn very bravely and courageously stepped up to the plate and was one of my very first clients, my very first client. And then as we got to know each other and I started to understand the the role that nature was playing in my life, because really I was pretty unconscious to it. Lynn has become my mentor when it comes to understanding and being in relationship with nature. She has a tremendous amount of training, which she will usually never talk about unless you pull it out of her. Her training has been both formal and sacred in its nature. And she is one of the few people that I can say is truly one with nature. I don't know if she'll say that about herself, but she really has learned how to move and flow and grow and be in relationship with nature in a way that is something that I really look up to. And today we're going to be talking about work that she is now doing in the world that's coming in response, I think, in part to us having gone through a pandemic, which is people are understanding more and more that their relationship to the outdoors matters and has meaning and it affects how we walk through the world. So with that, Lynn, I'm going to turn it over to you. What's the formal nitty gritty stuff you want people to know about you? Mm, Let's see. I'm a really nice person. (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) I'm a nature-based mentor and a certified coach. And my greatest love in, in this life has been helping sensitive souls move out of the chaos and the overwhelm of the distraction culture that's all over the place today so that they can truly find a place at home with themselves in the world to really root in nature so that they can develop that sacred relationship and find a place of belonging. Mm, I love that. You know, one other thing I will 
say about you, Lynn, is the way that you teach and the way that you mentor, you do it in a way that drains a lot of the shame that people Mm -hmm. who are more unconscious, becoming conscious like me might hold. You know, there's, you've always done a really good job of saying, of meeting people where they are. And so if you're listening, I say that because if, you listening are like me when I was starting out, there can be this feeling like you're doing everything wrong. (laughs) Or (laughs) maybe that because you've gotten rid of single-use plastics, you're still waiting for your award to come in the mail. (laughs) And you, you kind of go between those two sides of the pendulum. Lynn will meet you where you are. So Lynn, why don't you talk about how you got into this work? Well, I feel like my story is, it's like archetypical at this point, because I've heard so many stories that start the same way, where I was a nature kid, I loved being outside, I felt at home out there. And in part, I was drawn out there, because that's where life felt exciting. That's where I felt like I was me, in all of my meanness. And I was also seeking sanctuary from a really chaotic home life. And it was just where I was. And I loved it. And there was magical things out there. And as a kid, I never thought that would end. And then adolescence hit. And I suddenly start spending more time with people, with video games, with books, with school, with everything else. And there was a huge part of my journey where I was disconnected from the land. And I remember very clearly there was a series of events that I won't go into that led up to a moment where I was sitting under a hemlock tree and it was as if my soul had just chunked into place and it had been untethered and floating around all that time. And I felt completely alive and at home again in that moment, in that time and place. And I spent years from that point on first learning for myself the practices to root, to ground, to connect. And and then I did that. And then I helped all of my clients do the same for themselves. And I was thinking about it before that as much as I was teaching all of these practices, there was a collection of practices that I sort of kept hidden for myself, right? Like I kept them in my little pocket that I didn't want to share with people, not because I didn't want to share it with them, but because it felt like either it was unsafe or I wasn't quite ready to go, I call it full on cuckoo crazy pants with people, right? (laughs) Where I wasn't necessarily sharing that maybe I talk to my guides and maybe the plants talk to me and maybe I can, you know, I can hear things and and feel things when I'm outside that, that I don't necessarily tell people. And it was not so long ago where a friend of mine told me this word is a Welsh word, hiraith. And it has a really rough translation because it's hard to move into English, but roughly it means it's a longing for a place to call home that your soul may never know. Mm. It's just one of those words where even the words, they don't do it justice, but I can feel it within myself. And when I heard that, it was like instantly I knew that I needed to start bringing all of these things to people because that's how I can help people truly help their soul find a home in the land. And do you find that you've 
gotten a sense from the land that it is calling us home in a way that it hasn't been for? Or do you see that it's always been this way? We just, our receptivity to it has changed. Hmm, That's a great question. I have a sense, but I don't know for sure. I have a sense that she's always been calling us. And I think that we have, we in the collective sense, our, our entire culture, because certainly there's been other cultures who never disconnected, but especially people who live on a continent that their ancestors' bones are not buried on. We're in this place of cultural orphanhood where we don't necessarily feel like this is our home place because we don't have the ancient stories from this place, because our ancestors didn't evolve necessarily in this place, unless, of course, you're indigenous to this continent. But there is something I feel that's happening where either we've been here long enough or she's speaking louder than ever, or we as a collective have have reached this great turning point where we can now suddenly hear her calling to us. And I feel like we're just starting to get the language to be able to respond, to turn it from her reaching out to us to moving that toward a dialogue so that we can better hear her and understand her and interact with her. Oh, I like that answer. It, and definitely you're, you know, if you listened, if you're listening now and you listened to the interview I did with Judith Nyland a couple of episodes, might be even two months ago, Lynn's actually the person that introduced me to Judith's work. Mm-hmm. And this feels very similar to the conversation we had where she said, where she was talking about how we're all being called back home. And mm-hmm. she was speaking more to our, where our ancestors were originally from. Mm-hmm. This question's been on my mind. And as I asked you and you were answering it, the thing that came to my mind, because you and I both have teenagers, yours is a little bit younger than mine. But as mothers, we stay as open to our teenagers, but they don't necessarily want us to be home for them right Mm. now. But, you know, in 10 years, maybe in 15 years, maybe our words might be stronger about beckoning them home when they're in crisis because they can hear us. And then their vice versa, their ability to hear us will be different because they will no longer be teenagers. Hmm. And I wonder if humanity is maybe just tipping the balance into adulthood, finally. That is really fascinating. I never thought about it like that, but I remember reading a while back about how our human, the heroine's journey, the human journey we reach a point where we push away from our mother, just like you're saying, our literal birth mother. But then in some of the work I've read too, I can't remember if it's Marion Woodman or somebody else, but they talk about how we as individuals also have to push away from the earth and our relationship with the earth. And I've thought about that on an individual basis because that's certainly been true for me, right? It's, and a lot of the other folks I hear where we have that relationship in childhood, we are drawn or get pushed away for other reasons. And then we find this really big reconnection when we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s. You know, I've worked with women who were in their 80s and they, I, you know, they were finally able to reconnect. And I've never quite thought about it in terms of humans as a collective where generationally or for hundreds of years, we've all pushed away from the earth. And now it's time for us to come home because we've reached that maturity level. 
you just blew my mind, Patty. That like totally. <laughs> I don't think this. I honestly don't feel like this came from me. Like I feel like the question came through me. <laughs> so yes, and also I will tell you that's listening before Lynn and I started this recording. We called in our guides and the nature spirits that were available to be with us to make sure that this interview served nature and our purpose at its highest level. And Lynn, do you want to talk a little bit about who showed up? A fairy that has only shown up on several occasions. Actually, the first time I ever saw them, Patty, was at one of your live events. They showed up and they've they've got like brightly colored hair. It's very short. And they are a very playful energy. And I was really surprised that they popped up. And it was really lovely to see them. And I, there's a mischievousness about them that I, sh- I should know that things are afoot <laughs> when they show up. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they planted the uh, question. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. They're clapping they now, really the way. wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> so... What is sacred nature? I know you talk about this, but explain for someone that isn't as connected right now, or maybe is and just is enthralled with your brilliance. What <laughs> what does this mean? Sacred nature is an understanding that we as sacred human beings are intricately connected with the earth, that our fates are tied with the land, and that the earth herself is a sacred being, that she has her own soul, the anima mundi, the soul of the world. And when we connect our soul with the soul of the world, that is where we are meant to be fully connected in that place of oneness with all of creation. So that's what I mean by that. Mm. And I think when people hear that, they think they need to be major people to get that or Mm. to use that or I don't even know what the right word is. Well, I'll just take it from my perspective until I kind of walked a little bit further on the path and kind of unwound some of my own beliefs about their certain type of people. They smell like patchouli and they wear natural cotton and (laughs) all good things, but not the only people, right, that can be in relationship with nature. Who is this for? Hmm. Well, I normally wouldn't say this. I don't know why it's coming up right now, but she's pushing, they're pushing me. When I hear the term, I'm not a nature person, I always cringe a little bit, not because I'm judging them, but because if we breathe, if we eat, if we drink water, we are nature people. And it's not necessarily that I'm assuming that people are not going to, where people have to be not afraid of spiders in order to be nature people. You bet your bottom dollar that if one of those little centipedes run at me in the bathroom, right, I squeal and I run away. It's not like I I have no fear or, or anything like that. This is truly for everyone. And most of the time, the people that I get have a relationship with nature already. I won't deny that. But they say things like, I spent a lot of time outside. I'm really connected with nature. I feel really good about it, but I just feel like I need a to level up on my experience. But then there's also been some people who they feel very deeply that there's something out there for them, or they're drawn to at least walk outside, and they might not have words for it, but they just feel happier out there. And even if they're 
indoorsy or recovering indoorsy people, as long as they have that sense of, I just feel happier outside. That's truly, even those people can get that sense of feeling like they belong to a place, they belong outside, and that they they can touch into the oneness of everything out there. I'm curious what it feels like we, I don't know if it's just that my awareness around relationship to nature has changed and deepened. And so it's just my own self-centered perspective, but I feel like there's been a tipping point that's Mm. been hit. And as you're describing, like being called to nature, I can't think of one person I know that hasn't sort of at least referenced that, you know, they might not be as expressive about it, but like, oh, I just wish I could spend more time outdoors. Like, I wish I wasn't in my office so much. Mm -hmm. When people are ignoring this relationship to nature, what's the impact? What's the result? Mm. Certainly one of the big things is this low-level anxiety about everything. Because we as humans, we evolved outside, right? Spending 100% of our time outside in that place of connection. And there's a lot of physical benefits there, right? So when we are outside spending time in nature, we are getting all the big four neurotransmitters, all the good yummy things, right? We're getting dopamine, we're getting serotonin, we're getting like our melanin is all sorted out or melatonin is all sorted out so that we're getting better sleep. So there's all of those like real life consequences. We have more vitamin D when we're outside. So I mean, firstly, all of that really affects us when we are no longer spending 100% of our days and now have switched over to spending maybe seven, eight percent of our days outside and then the rest of it inside a box sheltered from fresh air and sunlight and calming sounds. All of that has a really big impact on us. And I truly feel like the biggest one is the lack of feeling like we belong with something. So I encourage people in all the practices that we do to along the way, develop a familial relationship with the land and with the non-human beings that you're sharing your space with. That just means spending consistent time so that you have an intimate relationship with them, so that you, you see them and you can identify them, not necessarily like you have to know the names, but that you know that that tree has darker leaves than the one that's next to it, or that tree has berries that some of the birds come to show up for. And that relationship creates a sense of belonging that I've noticed creates a sense of validation, almost like we belong to our own lives that we're here and we're sort of staking our claim as we are human being, we belong in this place and this place belongs to us and we belong to this place. And Mm -hmm. not having that feeling of belonging is really unsettling. And I wish I can remember the exact number, but that feeling like you belong is one of the top, I think, three factors for suicidal indicators. So people, when they feel like they belong to something, they're less likely to even go to that point of even having suicidal thoughts. And it's because that's, it's where we have evolved from and that's where we need to be. And I'm not saying everybody needs to, you know, like ditch your house, run out into the woods and, you know, survive off blades of grass. (laughs) I'm not saying that at all. 
I can help you do that. But it's not how we need to, I don't think, proceed into the future. Because I, I think you're right. And I've heard a lot of people, a lot of like very eloquently spoken people that I am not quite there say things like, we're at a turning point. It's the great turning, according to women like Joanna Macy. And where, you know, the veil is thinning in terms of our relationship with the earth. And we're at a point where we need to start making decisions on how we want to proceed going forward, because we're changing, we're entering into a new epoch within our world's history. And, and I honestly can't remember how, what the original question was that you asked, but that's the answer. That's okay. I love where it went. <laughs> I don't even remember what my question was. Is there things that people can do that you that will give them a starting point. Let's say someone's listening and you know they're like, you know, I know when I can get out of the office or when I can leave my house and I just sit outside, I just feel so much better. So obviously, starting point. And I'm constantly recommending to people that if you're overwhelmed, right? Because that's just a common complaint or a common symptom that a lot of people that listen here have. You know, if you're overwhelmed, the first three things I talk about is breathing, get outside in nature, drink a glass of water. Do you have some core recommendations for people that, you know, are really at that very beginning stage of building this relationship? Mm -hmm. And certainly if people can get outside and sit, that is one of the greatest things that I can have them do, especially in the same place every time. A tiny mindset shift that I've been having my new people do, and it seems to be a really beautiful entry point, is if you're going outside in nature, if you're just going to go outside for a walk, if you're just going to go sit on your porch or have your tea or coffee on a patio in the morning, before you exit your home, take a deep breath and remind yourself that you are entering into somebody else's home. When you leave yours, you're going into somebody else's. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) And it's really fun because there's nothing worse for me than being in a rush and bringing all of my crazy energy as it rushes out the door. And when I throw the door open, right, the little baby rabbit scatters and the birds fly off and right, because I scare the hell out of them. But if I can take a deep breath and then bring all of my energy down and then open the door slowly, and just move out gently. I found that doing that, I can actually walk past the rabbit who is watching her little face, and she'll stop and look at me, but she won't run away. And the birds won't stop singing necessarily. That is a really great way to let them know, to let the earth know and the creatures that you're sharing your space with, that you're here, you're interested in a dialogue, and you are really stepping into a place of respect and reciprocity in the relationship. That is so good. I think that's, that's like, oh my goodness, I can't (laughs) wait to try this on. I can't believe that for all the time we've been friends, you didn't share that. So I'm a little offended, Lynn. (laughs) Well, right. That was one of those little things that no matter how long I'd been doing it, for some reason, I just kept thinking, well, that's just so silly. That really doesn't make a difference. But you know, I was like, no more. I'm in a place where I'm, I'm ready to go whole hog and everything, right? Raise your cl- crazy flag, Lynn. Raise <laughs> it high. It is so much crazier than anybody ever thought possible. <laughs> uh, but 
All right. So that, so that is one of them. And then when you are outside, whether you, well, let me do this first, engaging in your senses, fully getting in your body and tuning into the sounds that you are hearing and the smells that you are smelling and the sensations on the different parts of your body, how it feels on the bottom of your feet as compared to your face that's exposed to the sun and the wind. When we are able to, and I teach a full sensory experience, but it's wonderful to just play around with this at first, to just embody fully your senses. What happens is your brain floods with all of this data and information, and it can't go around and around with the monkey mind or the crazy mind or whatever you want to call it in terms of the thoughts rushing around in your head, because it's processing all of this information. So that's a really great way to quiet your thoughts, to slow down and to get in your body. And that will fairly rapidly decrease your stress level. I love that. That's really, really good, strong. I think just the the walking out of your house, knowing you're walking into someone else's home, game changer for me. (laughs) I can't wait to hear how that goes for you. I know. And you know, I'll tell you. I know you will. Very long voice text. (laughs) So, you know, you've referenced a couple of times in the work that you do, but probably if someone doesn't already know you, they don't really understand what it is that you specifically do, like that this is a thing. Mm-hmm. And so could you just describe when you're working with clients, what does that mean? Like, why are they coming to you and what does the work look like? Mm-hmm. So for the most part, people are coming because they are feeling overwhelmed, stressed, anxious. And it's either just with normal life, because that's very overwhelming. I'm very well aware of that. And then there's a lot of people too that come with a sense of feeling grief or anxiety around what's happening with the current climate crisis. So that's definitely a fraction of the people. And then other people are just looking to take their relationship with nature much deeper. So they already have a relationship with nature and they feel really good about the practices that they're doing. And they know that there's more, but there seems to be a wall that they just can't get past. And I share practices and techniques and tools to help people get to a place of really solid groundedness and unshakable peace and a sense of spiritual connection with the earth. And we do that in with like very practical, easy to use tools with some handholding and some guidance um, and some cheerleading on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Oh, so delicious. <laughs> and I know people can work with you. You have a couple of different offerings. They can work with you privately. They can work in group, but you have like a training challenge that's coming out so that anyone can just dip a toe in the water, right? That's going to be out soon. Yes. And I'm very excited about this one. It's the second time I've run this. And the first time I was getting really lovely DMs in my my Facebook folder. So it's called Exploring Sacred Nature. And it's a free training. And on September 1st, 2nd and 3rd, it's just going to be quick 10 minute Facebook lives with very clear instructions on these tools that you can do to 
ground, to open up to messages from spirit and from the earth herself so that you can stay present, fully aware of all of the magic in your life. And they can find that by going to lintrata.com forward slash explore. Mm, love that. So when this episode airs, that will there'll still be about a week and a half for you to get signed up on that. So plenty of time, maybe even more than that, maybe more like two weeks. So I can highly recommend everything that Lynn does. She does at such a high quality level. This is not something you want to miss. If this is at all interesting to you, if you have even an inkling that this is something you want in your life, a, a deeper relationship to nature, or even to understand what that might look like. I highly recommend Lynn's work. So Lynn, as you're looking out on the landscape of the rest of this year, or maybe next year, if you had a wish, and we'll, we'll stay for the um, maybe like Western culture people, because I think well, I'm not going to make any assumptions, but anyone who's more in a um, a disconnected relationship with nature, you know, which I'd say is like 50, 60% of humanity right now, hmm. what would be your wish for, for those of us who are sitting here listening to you? What's the change you want to see or the evolution or the impact maybe that you want to see that you've made? What would that be? I think certainly what would make me the happiest and bring me the most joy and would make the greatest impact on people today and future generations is for all of those people to have one single moment where they experienced, really have a felt sense of them being part of the fabric of life. Because once that sort of the curtain flies open and they feel that feeling, it's almost impossible to go back. And all it has to do is start with, with wanting it to happen, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you walk out into the vast wilderness. It's, it's not like that at all. There's wildness all around us. And when our wildness of our heart spots wildness outside, whether it's you know, on a butterfly, in a pot, on a, on a fire escape in a city or in your back garden, there's something that transforms us in that. But, and it just takes going outside to have that magic moment. So to get people walking or exploring so that they have that opportunity to have that experience, because it does need to happen outside. It can't just magically happen inside. Mm. Gosh, my my mind went to like six different places just now. I don't know if our fairy friend is trying to get me to ask you more questions. Okay, well, here, I get, this was one place that I was going to. My God, I am decentralized right now. So um, I told you, mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I swear to God, it feels like there's like a ping pong ball in my head or like a pool ball that's bouncing around. The question is, and it comes from, so Lynn is one of our uh, faculty members in the receiving school, a very beloved faculty member who guides us in moon ceremony. And so the question I had is, is there a difference of being outside in nature when in moonlight versus sunlight? Is there optimal light? Mm, That's a good question. I have found... Ooh, I, my eyes got all prickly like I was going to cry. So I think this is the right way to go. 
I have found that there is a certain intimacy that happens in the dark outside. And I'm not saying people need to go, you know, far out, but when the easiest time I have having an open dialogue with a non-human being in nature, it is most often in the dark. So if people, so you mentioned moon ceremonies, that is a formal way to celebrate and honor and claim all the energy of the moon for that night. But people can just start by going outside at night and talk to the moon, right? And I laugh every morning because I, the first thing I do is when I, when I walk outside in the morning, I go to my prayer circle and I, I do my morning gratitude. And I always start with, good morning, creator, you look lovely today. <laughs> because I think truly having a casual relationship with creation, I feel like it makes me feel a lot more comforted. Mm. And when I leave and I go inside and I say, have a good day. <laughs> so if people want to just begin by going outside and standing under the moonlight and just saying, hi, you look beautiful tonight. I'm struggling with this. Can you help me out? Or I'm really thankful that you're here. Or I love the shape that you're in or whatever it is. Have it be casual. Have it be fun. Have it be silly. And maybe this is my cuckoo crazy pants mode of just going with it. But it's our birthright to have that type of relationship. And she's just waiting for us to start playing again. Mm, yes, I love that. I'm, and thank you, Fairy, for <laughs> forcing my hand on the moon question. I got, I got some extra juice. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're listening, make sure you, um, we'll put this in the show notes, but lintrada.com forward slash explore. I highly recommend Lynn's upcoming training slash challenge. Lynn, are there any final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners? Just that there is also a Facebook group that some people would rather like come and just dip their toes in and lurk from the sidelines without going whole hog into a challenge. And I understand that. So if people want to join the Facebook group, it's called Rooted and Sacred, Earth-Based Wisdom for Grounded Peace and Spiritual Connection. And that's a nice place to take a peek. And do you know what the URL for that is? And if you don't, I can just grab it after this and put it in the show notes. I don't. So it'll have to go in the show notes. But if they search it, it'll come up. Okay. Awesome. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us here. Thank you so much, darling, for having me. Love you, girl. And I love each of you listening right now, go out and create some space for magic in nature. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.